On this episode of the Answers on Aging podcast. Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative disorder that affects um, about a million Americans um, and maybe 10 million people worldwide. Um, it is a, it's a very difficult disease. It's, uh, it's the second most common neurodegenerative disease after Alzheimer's and is the fastest growing uh, disorder, neurodegenerative disorder wow. in the world. Did not realize that. And about... Yeah, and about 60,000 individuals are newly diagnosed with Parkinson's every year. Welcome to the Answers on Aging podcast. This podcast provides solutions to your questions and commonly faced challenges about caregiving, legal, and financial issues, personal struggles associated with the normal aspects of aging, and the unforeseen obstacles that oftentimes can be life-altering and even devastating. Each episode dissects real life, real-time issues, and will often feature special guests who bring expert-level knowledge and free resources straight to you. This podcast is hosted by certified elder law attorney Todd Watley and licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott. Together, these aging experts bring an impressive combined 30-plus years of experience to the table in order to give you all the answers on aging. That is right. This is the Answers on Aging podcast, and... As always, I appreciate everyone who listens and our growing audience just more and more. I was looking at the statistics there today, and it's becoming a thing. I mean, like yeah. a hundred and almost 150 downloads just last week. Yeah, so, that's growth for us. So we're so, excited. Yeah, we are getting there. And thankfully, I am here with my co-host, Sarah Scott. Hey, Todd, and welcome everybody to the Answers on Aging fabulous podcast, where we truly love bringing you information, education, and resources to help make life as we age as smooth as it possibly can be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we learn that it's not smooth, it's not going to be, so we just have to cope and deal with it the best way possible. And um, we're excited today because we have a special guest. It is. um, As you probably know, there's, you know, Parkinson's is a a significant condition that affects a lot of aging people, and today we have a person, I think the top person, from Mm -hmm. the Parkinson's Association. It's the Parkinson's Foundation Foundation. CEO, yes, and president, Mr. John Lear. Welcome to Answers on Aging. Well, thank you, uh, Sarah and, and, and uh, Todd. I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and thanks for inviting me to participate in your podcast. Absolutely. So just give us a little bit of background for our listeners who may not be aware of what the Parkinson's Foundation does. Um, what do sure. you guys do, and, and what is what are your goals? Yeah, so, um, um, so the Parkinson's Foundation is uh, one of two... Uh, one of the two largest Parkinson's foundations in the world, focusing on Parkinson's uh, disease. Um, so uh, Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative disorder that affects um, about a million Americans um, and maybe 10 million people worldwide. Um, it is a, it's a very difficult disease. It's, uh, it's the second most common neurodegenerative disease after Alzheimer's and is the fastest growing uh, disorder, neurodegenerative disorder in the world. Did not realize that. And about, yeah, and about 60,000 individuals are newly diagnosed with Parkinson's every year. 
Um, And so um, I'll talk a little bit more about what Parkinson's looks like for people with uh, the disease. But the Parkinson's Foundation is here to help people uh, live um, their best lives with this disease um, and to invest in money, invest money into research um, to uh, understand the underlying causes and the basic biology of the disease so that we can ultimately find new therapies, new drugs that control the symptoms and then ultimately um, find a cure for the disease. Yeah. Um, we also um, support a you know international center of excellence network where we have you know the very best healthcare centers who are um, engaged with us to try and figure out how best to care for people with Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. And we also mm-hmm. have a, a very large educational network where we work with people um, people living with the disease, people newly diagnosed, their care partners, their family members, to provide them the education, information, and resources they need to mm-hmm. navigate what will ultimately, you know, progress to be a, a, a challenging disease for most people. Right. I know um, I'm personally a fan of the Today Show, and Willie Geist mm-hmm. is like one of my all-time favorites. I I think he is amazing. And I love the work that he does to help, you know, bring awareness to this horrible disease and by sharing his personal story about his dad with the world, you know. And do you have a personal tie to Parkinson's or how did you decide this is what you wanted to work with? Yeah, you know, like so many Americans and so many people around the world, I, I, uh, I, I have a connection to Parkinson's. It's not within my own family, but it was uh, within one of, uh, you know, one of our, our family friends, um, uh, the, the family we shared Thanksgiving with every year uh, while I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the grandmother in that family had Parkinson's, and then the the daughter was my, my mother's closest friend, um, got very active in Parkinson's, in fact, worked with the Parkinson's Foundation for many years, you know, long before I came along. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, uh, when I was um, looking to, uh, you know, I, when I was talking to the folks at the Parkinson's Foundation about coming into, you know, in as a CEO, um, you know, I drew on a lot of that experience. And then, you know, knowing other people, friends uh, uh, who have had parents who have Parkinson's. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so interesting when you start talking about, you know, I work at the Parkinson's Foundation, you know, so many friends and, and acquaintances and colleagues uh, will start telling you, oh, my father, my uncle, yeah. my grandmother, you know, mm-hmm. and you start to really see the whole network develop. Yeah. And just one comment on the guys, you know, he uh, does a lot of nice things for us. He emcees one of mm-hmm. our big events, mm-hmm. a couple of our big events. And he is as genuine in person as he appears to be on TV. And uh, he cares very deeply for his father. So, yeah, Yeah. he's been been terrific. That's awesome. I'm not surprised. I feel like I already knew that because I feel like I know him. I love his podcast. Um, Sunday Sit Down is one of my, like, top three favorites. Um, So that's that's nice to hear. And his father has written a memoir about mm-hmm. his time in the Ozark growing yeah. up. So yeah. I think you guys are, I, I think, you know, you may both be from Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. But, yes, uh, yes. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I knew that too. <laughs> I knew, I actually did know that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very cool. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Tell us um, some of the, the symptoms of Parkinson's. What, what does this disease look like? 
Yeah, so um, so um, Parkinson's is primarily a disease uh, that occurs later in life. Yeah. Um, there are people like Michael J. Fox, who you will hear about, um, who will be diagnosed with Parkinson's early. I think Michael J. Fox was around 29 years old when he had his diagnosis. He probably had symptoms far sooner, you know, earlier than that. But for the vast majority of people, it's a diagnosis that happens you know, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s as well. Um, what happens is you start to lose um, uh, dopamine neurons. These are neurons that are really important to physical movement. So you start to lose those uh, neurons in your brain, and mm -hmm. that has a whole um, series of consequences, what we call motor symptoms, just things that relate to movement, uh, and non-motor symptoms, things that, you know, relate to, you know, mental health and, and other things. I'll talk about that. But, you know, what people tend to notice initially, but not exclusively, is a, a tremor, a, what we call a resting tremor. So mm -hmm. your hand or your leg or hands or legs um, start to shake. Right. Um, then you'll also start to notice what's called, the fancy word is bradykinesia, but really what it means is slowness of movement. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll have some limb rigidity. And then people with Parkinson's will often start to display, you know, challenges with walking and balance. Um, those are what we call the motor symptoms. But there are, you know, many non-motor symptoms. People with Parkinson's tend to lose their sense of smell um, right up front. It's one of the mm -hmm. earliest things, sort of similar to COVID, you know, a lot of people losing the sense of smell. Um, there's sleep problems. There's gastrointestinal stomach issues. Um, there's, um, you know, depression and anxiety are... You know, they're not a result of the disease. They're actually a uh, part of the disease because, you know, you lose dopamine uh, neurons and dopamine neurons have a lot to do with motivation and well-being and, and mental, you know, and, sure. and, uh, and happiness, quality of life. And then um, the last thing is, you know, for, for some percentage, almost about half of the people with Parkinson's will start to have uh, executive function or cognitive disabilities as they age. And um, mm -hmm. some folks will end up, you know, um, in full dementia. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a challenging and for many people a very scary diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, what we like to say is in spite of all of that, you know, people can live very long lives. Uh, no two people have the same disease course, you know, so it's not, it's not consistent. And so if you are diagnosed with Parkinson's, um, you may live a very long uh, life. You may not have any of the symptoms that somebody else you know might have. Um, and there are things you can do in terms of medications and surgery and really exercise um, that help mitigate the disease so that you can live a you know, high quality of life with the disease. Mm -hmm. So what are the, um, or do you know what the percentage is of people who have Parkinson's that also get dementia? lighter or also yeah, develop that? It's a, yeah, it's a good question. And it's a, it's, you know, kind of a, a hotly debated discussion uh, uh -huh. or, or uh, issue in the Parkinson's space. You know, some people will say greater than 50%. Some people will say, you know, maybe 20 to 30%. Mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, I, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50%. It may not, you know, so it's, it's cognitive uh, difficulties right. uh, leading up to full dementia. So yeah. it's, it's really on a spectrum. But it's, it's a fairly significant per, uh, percentage of individuals okay. who will start to have those symptoms. Mm -hmm. And then as far as medications and treatment go outside of the, you know, holistic approach with exercise and diet, 
What type of pharmacological mm-hmm. treatments are there? Or yeah, are really the most popular? The, the, yeah, so the frontline defense, uh, you know, the frontline medication for Parkinson's is what's, what's known as dopamine replacement uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll hear people talk about carbidopa mm-hmm. and levodopa. These are um, really two drugs that are meant to replace the dopamine neurons that you are losing in your brain um, because of, of Parkinson's disease. Um, those drugs were really developed in the, in the 50s and 60s through the 70s. And, um, it, it, you know, they were, they were game changers for people living with Parkinson's because, you know, they allowed you to, you know, to move and to, you know, to have, uh, you know, a lot more functional ability. But, um, I will say, you know, there's been improvements and tweaks to those and there's, you know, different versions of it. But it really is the main frontline, um, uh, medication when it comes to Parkinson's. Um, and so, you know, what we're really striving for is, is, uh, is therapies, medications that, you know, do even better than that, right? Yeah. That really, you know, prevent, uh, really limit the symptoms and uh, ultimately cure the disease. I will say one thing is, you know, sometimes when you'll see somebody with Parkinson's, um, you'll see them moving a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like really kind of like mm-hmm. gy- gyrating. Like yep. Michael, Michael J. Fox himself does that. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually a result of his medication, not mm-hmm. uh, as a result of the disease. It's oh, called really? dyskinesia. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. And yeah. so it's, it's usually when he's taken um, or when someone takes more um, dopamine replacement uh, medications, um, and, you know, their body, like, starts to, uh, you know, starts to act accordingly. So uh-huh. not everybody gets dys- dyskinesia like Michael J. Fox, uh-huh. um, but a lot of people do. Um, and then, then there's this thing called off time when your medication starts to wear off and suddenly you find yourself immobile. I mean, that's, that's the, it's this balance between being really revved up and, and being, you know, immobile. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the, 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 among the daily struggles that people with Parkinson's uh, live with. Man, what just a daunting struggle every day. I remember in the nursing home, it was so, I mean, the nurses would plan their med pass to all of their residents around who had Parkinson's, who had pain, and who needed to poop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) If they need a stool softener or a laxative, a pain pill, or their Cinemet, they get them first because they're so time sensitive. And, I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was clockwork, and it had to be. And you could tell, you know, especially with residents who would do, like, outings with their family, they would come back a little bit late, shaky, and just, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're like, I should have taken my medicine with me, but you know, it's so well, important. And as a PT, yep. it was just amazing. You know, they would be up, you know, I would get them up and they would walk and then yeah. instantly they just freeze. And mm-hmm. it's like their feet are cemented to the floor and they just can't. And yeah. you just give them, you know, give them some cues or give them just a few seconds and then whoop, here they go again. And it's, it's just a bizarre situation that, yeah, like you said, they just freeze and can't do anything, and it's uh, it's got to be frustrating. So how close so, are y'all to getting the cure for Parkinson's? Let's just get down to it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, Sarah, I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could say, you know, it's going to be tomorrow or within a year or within five years, um, you know, and but, but I can't say that, in part because 
we, we there are so many questions about Parkinson's that are unresolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we are working very hard at the Parkinson's Foundation to fund the world's best researchers to understand the disease better mm-hmm. um, so that we can find the shortest and fastest pathways to new therapies that, you know, you know, control symptoms, um, give people, you know, hope that, you know, if they do get Parkinson's that, uh, you know, it'll be a much milder course. Mm-hmm. But there's no cure in sight, um, just to be blunt about it. Um, mm-hmm. We need a lot more research. We need, you know, to raise more funds to, to support these great researchers. Um, you know, there's always a possibility that you'll have some miracle breakthrough drug that, right. you know, is discovered here or there. But, you know, the truth of the matter is um, in Parkinson's, we don't know really how it's generated. There's a lot of therapy uh, theories out there, and we're testing those theories. And in fact, the Parkinson's Foundation is leading one of those efforts. But it's a, you know, the underlying cause of it is some combination of genetics, um, and there are people who have very specific genetic links to their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. There's familial, which is you know genetics, but less less certain about the specific genes. Um, there are envi- environmental triggers that are well known. Um, so you might have a proclivity to Parkinson's genetically or familially, um, and then an environmental trigger comes along and uh-huh. it just you know gets you you know moves you to Parkinson's. Right. And then there's just the natural aging process. You know, you as we age, we lose we lose dopamine neurons, and some uh-huh. people may be um, move, burning through their dopamine neurons faster than others. Um, and so the complexity of the underlying causes combined with the complexity of the, the disease. I mean, it's a it's a brain disease. Um, the, the the dopamine neurons take you know live within the substantia nigra of your brain. And anytime you have brain involvement, it's really tricky to get to develop drugs that can cross what's called the blood-brain barrier. So mm-hmm. the body does a really great job of keeping pathogens and toxins out of your brain, but it also does a pretty good job of, you know, preventing, you know, maybe um, new therapies from getting across. So you have to really do lots of research to make sure that you're getting small molecules that can get to get to the places in the brain where they need to be. Mm -hmm. But I will say, you know, we've made a lot of progress. We've learned a lot. I think we understand that there's, you know, a protein called alpha-synuclein that is you know maybe perhaps the main culprit in in Parkinson's and how do we roll back or prevent alpha synuclein from taking over you know the substantia nigra? But there are a lot of people who think you know maybe it's a, an immune system failure and that's what's causing it, or mm. there's something related to the biome, the gut, uh, that's causing it. So you know um, I used to work in cystic fibrosis where there was one gene, lots mm-hmm. of mutations of those genes. But one gene that caused uh, Parkinson's, or I'm sorry, cystic fibrosis. Right. There are many genes implicated, and there are many potential, you know, pathways that you know, you know, that lead to Parkinson's. And we're still trying to solve all of that. Mm-hmm. We need to do a lot more research, basic research, uh, and drug discovery and development um, before I think we're going to get to you know the drug that ultimately will cure the disease. I am very hopeful because we've got such a great community of research scientists, you know, neuroscientists and others, clinicians working on this problem. I mean, it's it's really it's a, a Manhattan project in many ways for people with Parkinson's. And so I'm, I'm confident and hopeful that one day soon, but I can't give you the date, we'll have a cure for this disease. Sure. Okay. Well... Wow, you guys are doing some great things. So That's I'm, awesome. I'm assuming that the foundation is a nonprofit. 
a 501c3 or something like that that people can donate money to? That's correct. We are we are all those things. We are a nonprofit organization. We're an American, you know, you know, based in the United States. We support uh, the best research wherever it is. Um, but yep, you can donate to us. There are, you know, you can go to our website, which is parkinson.org. Uh, and there's all sorts of ways to get involved as a volunteer, as a donor. Uh, there are opportunities to just donate directly. Um, and so we really encourage people to come to our website, not only for those reasons, but really to learn as much as they can about Parkinson's foundation, uh, Parkinson's disease. Um, we have just a rich and deep uh, amount of uh, information and resources that are available to anybody who's uh, curious about Parkinson's, living with Parkinson's, newly diagnosed with Parkinson's, or any of their loved ones who are, you know, looking to be helpful to uh, to their family members. Awesome. And I'm sure you guys could help get people connected to a local Parkinson's resource for different, you know, local um, assistance or support groups and things yep. like that, right? Absolutely. So there's many ways to do that. One is directly through our website, parkinson.org. But we also have a helpline that is staffed by nurses, uh, physical therapists, other types of therapists, social workers, which is toll free uh, and open all day during business hours uh, through, I think, five o'clock on the the West Coast. Um, So it's a toll free number, um, which is 800 4 PD info. So 800, the number four, P D I N F O. And uh, we've got a great team of people who are there to answer any questions and talk as long as, as the person who's calling wants to talk uh, about Parkinson's. And um, you can ask them for advice about where to get care, support groups, all of these things. They're incredibly knowledgeable. Um, almost everybody on our helpline has been with us for years and years and years. So it's hmm. an incredible uh, resource for people with Parkinson's. Interesting. Love it. So the people answering the phone, is this all they do or is it just part of their their other job? I'm just curious. Yeah. You, you said there's nurses no, and PTs it's all, and everybody. It's, nope. It's what they do. These are huh. uh, full-time staff. Um, members of the Parkinson's Foundation and there's about eight or so of them and uh, they answer calls all day long. I mean, we have them doing some other things too, you sure. know, but uh, you know, principally their job is to answer phones and talk to people with Parkinson's. Wow. Nice. Okay. We need to plug that on our radio show too. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, what else do you think that just for a general overview of the Parkinson's Foundation, um, how people can help, or what else do they need to know about the Parkinson's Foundation? Yeah, so thank you for that. I mean, what I would say is if you are living with this disease, have a loved one living with this disease, um, are concerned about your, you know, potentially getting this disease, we are here to help you. We, that is what we're here to do. Um, we, uh, we've got a great team that provides all this resources and materials, and it's just, a, you know, it's a deep trove. And uh, all that can be found on Parkinson.org. Mm-hmm. As we just talked, you can call and talk to people on our helpline, 800-4PD-INFO. Um, you know, in, in, uh, in, in, the, in the same time we're providing educational and resource materials, we are working with the very best clinicians mm-hmm. in the world to try and figure out how to 
um, make sure that people are getting the care they need, that they have access to the care they need, um, that the care is at the highest standard, you know, that there's no discrepancy between, you know, care in one part of the country versus another part of the country. There's no mm-hmm. discrepancy in care between people at a high income level and a low income level. We really want to we want to make everybody living with this disease have the best available care possible. Um, and then, you know, really our, our research uh, is, is extensive and growing. Um, you know, we've nearly doubled our size at Parkinson's Foundation in the last five years. We've gone from about a $25 million a year organization to, you know, up over $50 million this year. Um, we do that because we have incredibly generous donors and volunteers who support us. Um, but I will say this, you know, research, as we were talking about, is really uh, you know, understanding the disease is hard and complex, mm-hmm. um, and we have, you know, nine different uh, funding opportunities for researchers, and I can tell you that this year, you know, we may have something like 25 funding opportunities, and we've probably got more than 200 requests for that from neuroscientists all over the world, wow. which says two things. One, there's a lot of great research that's being looked at but is going unfunded. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we want to fund as much of the best and most promising research as possible because the faster we do that, the more we do that, the quicker we're going to get to the answers we're seeking. That's right. That's right. Wow. That's, that is overwhelming. Very good. That's awesome. Very good. Okay. Well, right. we've, this has been, oh, I was going to ask you, do you know what the average age is for new diagnoses of Parkinson's? Yeah, so there's, um, we're about to uh, publish a new study. We've done what we call an incident study, which just tells you, you know, and uh, for, for a long time, we've been saying that the average age of diagnosis is in, in the low to mid-60s. Um, we're, it looks like that number may change, um, but for, for now, we're saying, you know, mostly in the 60s is, is the, the average age of diagnosis or onset. Um, it may it may in, it may go to a higher age uh, as the you know as the initial diagnosis, but um, we haven't finished our study or published our study yet. So for, for now, I would say somewhere in the 60s and 70s is when most people are going to be diagnosed with Parkinson's. Okay, okay. I was just curious. Very interesting. Well, John, thank you very much. This has been very informative, and um, we will publish your the phone number for people to call and get information. And we highly encourage people to think about donating money, oh, particularly yeah. if you know someone in your family has this or a friend or neighbor or someone donate money because research is the key and this foundation could definitely use your money and put it to good use. Yes. Thank you so much, John. And y'all keep up the amazing work you do. And please tell Willie, I said, hello. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will. Thank you so much, Todd and Sarah. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Answers on Aging podcast with Todd and Sarah. Be sure to hit subscribe and keep tuning in each week as they bring you helpful, useful, and easy-to-find resources for making life as we age as simple and enjoyable as possible. For more information about this episode, visit AnswersOnAgingPodcast.com. Click on the Show Notes tab and take advantage of the free resources right there at your fingertips. To see Todd and Sarah live, 
Check out our Facebook page, Answers on Aging, to catch a live feed of their radio show every Wednesday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock. Todd and Sarah welcome feedback and love to answer your questions. So please, let them know what you think by leaving a review and share with your friends and family.